0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: So I wonder if Tom Brady will point to me when he throws a touchdown pass. Wouldn't that be cool? Could anybody love Mark Topkin more than Brett Phillips? I've never heard of this. So so Brett Phillips, I guess sometime before the game, Steve Versnick said to Topkin, hey, if I hit a home run, look for me. I'm going to point to you in the press box. And he hit an inside the park home run well, I, and uh, did so.
1: I understand he's told Mark that before, and he did that in Boston when he hit a grand slam, except Topkin didn't see it.
0: He missed it. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. So he did it tonight after his inside the park home run, which he ran around the bases in like 14 and a half seconds. He was
0: flying. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm watching this replay, and the ball hits the base of the wall. And as it's ricocheting towards the, uh, towards center field, he's touching second base. And I was like, man, how fast did he get to second? He had to be busting it out of the, you know, out of the batter's box, and um, made it by a good bit. I mean, there was a play at the plate, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, it was a good relay, um, or it wouldn't have been that close. But how about Brett Phillips? I mean, just, just in general, is Has there been a guy, outside of maybe Willie Adamas, but has there been a guy that you have seen have more fun at the major league level playing baseball, playing it the way you played it in Little League, American Legion ball? I mean, there was always that guy, right, that just had the joy of the game, Mm -hmm. didn't seem stressed about anything. But at the major league level, I mean, how rare is that and how fun is that to see him play baseball?
1: Well, Willie Adamas is the only one I can think of in recent years with the Rays. Right, right. Uh, it, Brett uh, after the game was on with uh Andy Fried and Dave Wills on the post game interview and they asked him he said you know when you're when you're you know coming around when do you pick up Rodney Linares at third base you know you as you're going to third do you pick him up at second and he goes oh man the crowd was going nuts i was going home no matter what i didn't care if he had the stop sign up or not i was going on the crowd was going nuts and i i was i was going to do it for them <laughs> you it's just so love cool. that you love yeah. it <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't. There's no way Lenores could have held him up if he tried, um, the way he was flying around there. There was going to be something happen. But yeah, he and 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 you know the thing about it is, is the guy the guy's a hell of a baseball player. You know, I mean, he may not wow you with his power, but but having said that, he's hit three grand slams, um, in a 14 day period, and he delivered did, his own in, he inside did that the nineteen at bats. Yeah, right. That's insane, right? Yep. yep. There's. I think I saw, what was it, the stat we talked about uh, uh, maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago where Derek Jeter, for mm-hmm. all the years that he played, had one grand slam in his career. Yep. And Albert Brett Felles has three and an inside-the-park home run. And, by the way, that's – I mean, Kevin Kiermaier just had an inside-the-park home run the other mm-hmm. day. Yep. So they got two guys that can absolutely – they got more than two guys that could do it, but um, just exciting. And, and, oh, if they could just play the Baltimore Orioles – Ooh, More. That's a bad team. Wow, they've lost twelve in a row, and that's the twelfth time in thirteen games that the Rays yes. have have beaten the Orioles.
1: Well, the Orioles came in on an eleven-game losing streak, right? It, it was their they're... second eleven-game losing streak of the season. Oh, and now there, this is twelve in a row now for this streak.
0: That's is it? I mean, first of all, I don't think any major league team should be that bad. But is if you if you had to pinpoint what was wrong with the Orioles, is it their pitching is just horrendous or?
1: I think during this losing streak, I think I heard Andy Freed say that the starter's ERA was like 9, and the bullpen ERA was like 9-5. Ooh. Yeah, that's not going to get it done.
0: No. And and if that's what you got at the major league level, I, I suspect there's not much on the farm to help you. Or those guys would be up. Um, the Rays, however, whose starting pitching is uh, you know down to really two guys – they had Colin McHugh come back. Of course, he worked two perfect innings. He, he was the opener, the And talk about
1: quick. I mean, those six yeah. outs went quick.
0: Yeah. That that that's a, the way he's worked this mm-hmm. year, though. That was I mean, a great he's, outing. He's been on. And and I mm-hmm. I have a question. Like, why wouldn't you try to stretch him a little bit and see if he can't be that third starter? Just because he's pitched this way pretty much all year. He's just been lights out pretty yeah. much.
1: Well, come playoff time, he might be an opener for two or three games in a series
0: no doubt no doubt josh fleming came in and of course he had the uh, the bad outing the last time say this about josh fleming he pitches much better at the drop i don't know why mm-hmm. um but it it's a fact he's a different pitcher there
1: he does and he's, i like him following an opener i i think yeah. it gives hitters a different look early in the mm-hmm. game and then he comes in and i think it helps him right um you know there's a whole psychology to the opener in that that some people like don't don't some people get some don't mm-hmm. um but it's that you know, when we when it first started three years ago, if you remember, when Sergio Romo made the first right opener appearance in Anaheim, and the Anaheim players were all like, you know, uh, uh, this is this is horrible. You know, I you know I, I you know I'm geared up to face this pitcher, and I'm going to face him three times tonight. And well, no, you face him once, and you face another guy the next time, and a different guy the next. time. They don't like that. They like facing no. a guy two three times. And Absolutely, we see what he's got in this, and and there's a whole mentality to it. Um, and you no, have to, no but question. you have to have the right guys in the open. I mean, you remember Ryan Stanek was tremendous as an opener. Couldn't pitch the seventh or eighth inning to save his life, but the <laughs> opener he was fantastic. In um, you know, you have to have the right type of guys, and you got to match the right arm behind them and that. But um, yeah. it's it's an effective tool when you when you have a starting staff that's as beat up as they are, and even their relief staff beat. I mean, Jeffrey Springs now is out for the season. His rehab it's didn't just. Uh, Matt Whistler's on the IL with middle finger inflammation.
0: I, I have never seen anything like it, and I'm starting to think like there's bad luck, and then there's no luck, and, and, and it's just I, I don't. You can't explain that that many pitchers on the same franchise. It's not like they're doing, you know, they're not, they don't have them in thumb screws in the bullpen or anything. I don't know what's causing all these injuries. Um, but man, and it's an assortment of them, and and it's just I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. But to your point about you know, about McHugh or, or or the opener, the reason it works, it's just like anything else. I mean hitting is is timing, right? It you just want to mm-hmm. time up the pitcher. And I've said this before and I played at a way lower level than the major leagues to say the very least. But when you're up there, I always and, and a lot of players are like this too, I always wanted to see a lot of pitchers, a lot of not a lot of pitch, a lot of pitches mm-hmm. the first at bat. If I could get, you know, five pitches, six pitches you know three a three ball count of some kind, even walk. I used to love to walk the first time up because generally I would see everything the pitcher has and and then the second time you you know, okay I, I, he can't throw the fastball by me. It's just not that good. it's flat, it's whatever it doesn't move um, and and so you can sit back a little bit and know that even if you're fooled, you can still foul the ball off. Like there, there was something about just being able to relax because you got the guy locked. You're you're locking in on his arm slot. You're locking in on kind of how he's going to work you. Um, there's so much you learn from that first at bat. You know, from every at bat, and to be able to face a guy a second time is enormous. It's a huge advantage for the for the mm-hmm. hitter. And statistically, you can see that with pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. You see the batting averages go up each time that they go through the order. You know, that's not a statistical mistake there's a reason why um the third time through the order you know their batting average against is much higher and and it's just because the hitters are locked in Mm -hmm. and so i think it was genius when they did it um they should do it again because they you know now you know if you've got a guy that can you can put on the mound and they maybe have one or two of them if you want to count louis patino and uh, mcclanahan but um if you've got a guy that can go out there and throw you know get through the order twice or three times and give you five shutout innings, of course you want to start them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's great. Everybody wants that. And a lot of teams have it. The better teams have it. But the Rays don't. And, you know, Colin McHugh, he's been as consistent, you know, the injury notwithstanding. I mean, he has been mm-hmm. tremendous for them this year. And I, I think he's found his role.
1: I would say he and, and Andrew Kittredge out of the bullpen have been the oh, most consistent pitchers. I mean.
0: Unbelievable.
1: You know, they've been Kittredge's fantastic. Been yeah. you know I and mean, the other thing the rays do and we've talked about this and and you saw the graphic during the world series last year is every pitcher of that bullpen comes in at a different arm angle
0: mhm you mm-hmm. know
1: that that no two pitchers that the rays bring in are going to be anywhere near alike no and mm-hmm. so you know yeah you're seeing a different pitcher almost every at bat but you're seeing a completely different mechanics arm angle everything about it's different you're, you mm-hmm. it's hard to get comfortable in in the box against the rays the way totally. their staff from, you know, from the starter through the bullpen, the speeds, the arm angles, the type of pitches. I mean, everybody in there has a role and is so diverse, you know, they don't just have a bunch of guys that throw at 98 and, and try to blow it by you. That's not, their bullpen is set up completely different than that. Um, and, and they've really, they really throw the hitters off and it makes them uncomfortable and, Vice versa, the race hitters, for whatever reason, get more comfortable as the game goes on, even through the bullpen, because they've been beating up bullpens all year.
0: Yeah, I mean, their, their number of runs they've scored after the seventh inning is stupid. And and I, you know, they it's funny because the other day where they went one game, I forgot who they ran into, but they didn't get a runner past first base. Yeah, um, it was
1: Saturday in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, and that's that's pretty rare, right? But, you know, they're very capable of shutting it down offensively. Um, but for the most part, like and at the beginning of the year I said this and then I thought, eh. and then it's maybe happen. I mean, could you argue that right now that this is one of the most, and I don't know where they rank statistically, but this is one of the most potent lineups that the Rays have ever had in terms of offense. Like they, with Nelson, know, they, with they, Nelson Cruz in, in Nelson the middle of that? With Nothing Cruz in yes. the middle of it, yes. yes. Right. I mean, not the beginning of the year, but now that you had Cruz or Rosarena's Hitting the ball pretty well. I mean, Brandon Lau had two more home runs. Mm-hmm. He's got what twenty nine on the year now. I think.
1: Yeah, twenty eight or twenty nine. Kiermaier's hitting well of late.
0: Kiermaier's swinging the bat well. Um, you know, Margot just, uh, is
1: producing. You know, when he's yeah. in, uh, Diaz has had
0: some big moments. um You know, it's a long lineup, and then you know when Zanino is batting eighth or ninth, and he's second in the league or second yep. on their team in home runs.
1: And That's this is without – Cho- Choi's not even hitting very well. I mean, he's pinch-hitting well, but when he's in the lineup, yeah. he's not hitting well at all right now. Right. And he's one of right. the guys you would have expected if they were going to have the best offensive team in race history, as someone predicted at the beginning of the year, you would have thought Choi was having a big year.
0: Yeah, he's like in a 2-for-28 slump or something like that. But one of the, one He's of like 6-for-7 as pinch. a pinch hitter, though. Right. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, he came off the bench the other day, but – yeah, it's 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 a it's a potent lineup and yet I still worry that, you know, a really really good pitcher could shut them down early and if you don't have it on the other side, you know, on the mound and you can't you can't keep the game close and I just keep thinking about, you know, a, a five, you know, just just a series against three really top top rung pitchers when you've got you know, McClanahan and Patino to roll out there. And then it's, then it's Johnny Holstaff after that. And then back to the, to McClanahan maybe, but it just doesn't seem to match up with some of the elite teams in terms of starting pitching, but who knows? I mean, their offense is opportunistic. They still play good defense. Um, they still have a lot of interchangeable players. Um, and, and, oh, by the way, they're 72 and 47. They've got the best record in the American league.
1: I believe it's the best start in franchise history, too.
0: It is. It's incredible. I mean, I literally, I don't know how this team does it. And then, then they'll have a stinker like they did the other night. And you go, oh, you know, that's probably who they are. No, no. You are, you are what your record says you are. And, and yet there's still only three and a half games. There's only two the teams with a better record than them. I know. The Giants and Dodgers. And they're right. tied with the Brewers. Right. And, and the Brewers took off, I'm sorry, when they got Willie Adamas. He's been phenomenal for that team. Well, we,
1: we always knew he couldn't hit at the Trop. So when you play <laughs> every right. game away from the Trop, it he's, certainly helps.
0: He's on fire, man. <laughs>
1: but he also helped that clubhouse, as we knew he would. I mean, you know, we, yeah. know, we know what impact he's been on this organization.
0: He lifened them up. Mm-hmm. He gave them energy. He, he brought the love back to the game. And that's what Brett, you know, if, if the Rays didn't have Brett Phillips, trading Willie Adamas would have been harder, I think because you still had that energy guy in that dugout mm-hmm. you know and Choi is that guy to some extent you know they had some guys like that Kiermaier um, can be
1: a little bit too but not to can the be. not to the, the the level that Willie Adams or Brett Phillips does
0: not to the the joy that they mm-hmm. play with you know i mean if Kiermaier's going well he's you know the happiest guy in the clubhouse but um and certainly energy guy on defense you know he can make plays that can excite your team and 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 on both sides but it it just you know the the this this the it's a it's look it's a kid's game you know it's it's a high pressure failure sport lots at stake all of that uh, th- what they're attempting to do at the major level is stupid it's so hard and so that's why you know it, it it is indeed a job but but it's still a child's game and when you play it with childlike enthusiasm like Brett Phillips does it's fun for everybody unfortunately it wasn't fun for many people <laughs> at the game <laughs> there was. An announced crowd, and this, by the way, this really ticks some people off. When Mark Tompkin, we always, I mean, we have always, for time immortal, published the attendance. Um, but Mark Tompkin noted that there were five thousand four hundred and sixty folks. That's the smallest crowd ever. Okay, let me repeat that: smallest crowd ever in twenty-four seasons for a Rays game at the Trop, without COVID nineteen restrictions. Okay, the smallest previous was fifty seven hundred and eighty six on May twenty eighth, in two thousand and nineteen, and they had fifty eight fifty five, on August second of this year, uh, and you can run down the litany of reasons. And John Romano had a comment about this a couple weeks ago, or maybe less than a week ago. Um, you know whether it's COVID, uh, you know schools back in session, it's the Orioles. I mean we we can do this forever, and we always have. But at the end of the day, people aren't coming to the games. You know, now, now personally, I think this latest variant has probably come about at the wrong time. There's never a good time for it. But, you know, we're on fire in Hillsborough County, whether it's in the schools or the state of Florida, what have you. Um, again, one of my best friends, one of our neighbors, you know, works in ER in uh, St. Joe's North and they're slammed with COVID cases. So if you don't want to, you know, don't forget the TROP is an indoor facility. You know, it, it, traffic can field is indoors, and that that may or may not make some people more uncomfortable. I don't know, um, but even without COVID, uh, we've been talking about attendance for a number of years. But I think all to...
1: those, I think all those, you know, the the COVID, the the Orioles, the everything about it, schools back. It's, it's all, all part of it. It all impacts it. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think we know St. Pete doesn't work for baseball.
0: Right. Exactly. It doesn't. It, it there's doesn't.
1: not enough people that are willing to buy the season tickets. Right. And in, in the particularly the businesses. There's not enough businesses close enough. That's right. That are gonna buy the the banks, the mm-hmm. law firms, the those type mm-hmm. of businesses that are going to buy clients. season tickets mm-hmm. or half season tickets or suites or, or that. Those those clients, those businesses are in West Shore and downtown Tampa. That's correct. That's where those are. And and it's too far to get to the trop for them for mm-hmm. something that's seven straight days. Particularly when if you're working in West Shore or downtown Tampa, there's a good chance you live east, which means mm-hmm. you're further from the trop from your home.
0: Right. Right.
1: And and I think, you know maybe baseball can't work in this market as far as selling tickets. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure I can tell you that it's not going to work in Saint Pete. Right. That it, it, the, it, if we're going to build a stadium here, it's got to be on the Tampa side of the bay. Agreed, because mm-hmm. that's where the businesses are, and those are who buys tickets. Those are who buys the high dollar tickets, the suites, the give me twenty tickets for twenty games. Um, yeah. you know those kind of blocks of things. Um, you know, it's businesses that are buying it, and you've got to make it convenient for them.
0: Yeah, and if you're if you're the Rays and you have to have a walk up of Twelve thousand to get sixteen thousand, right? Because you don't have any season ticket base. Mm-hmm. That's that's a hell of a lot of tickets to sell for one game. Yep. It is, it's it's a ton, and they do it. You know, they'll do it for the Red Sox. They'll do mm-hmm. it for a Yankee series. They'll do it on a weekend. Um, you know, when a good team is in town. And yes, there's a lot of Red Sox and Yankee fans in the in the mm-hmm. Bay Area that'll come out and and you know put on their put on their opposing team jerseys, that's fine. But that's still a ton of tickets to sell. Unless you have a, t- a season ticket base that's way north of that, um, you're going to have this kind of attendance. And, you know, I agree with everything you said. I mean, we're not going to do the stadium show. I've done plenty of them. But um, I do think that the lo- location is the biggest thing in real estate, and mm-hmm. they don't really have it going for them right now. Well, Personally, and
1: in sports, baseball is the sport most impacted by location. Yes. Because yes. of 81 games a year. Sure. Six or seven straight days. That's right. You know, football, it's 10 Sundays. That's it. Or, you know, if you're going to count regular season, eight to nine Sundays. Mm -hmm. On a Sunday, put it anywhere. It doesn't matter. Right. And occasionally you get a Monday night or a Thursday night. But Mm -hmm. the location is not what's going to impact football. Hockey and and basketball, 40 games or 41 games a year. Location Mm -hmm. matters. Not as much Mm -hmm. as baseball, but it it, it does matter in impact. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so and, and what's the stat? I think 600,000 people live within 30 minutes of the trop when this market has two and a half to three million people. Sure, people so now
0: where your, where your population center you know, is So not, there.
1: not only are the businesses not there, but the amount of people aren't there either. Correct. And, and Correct. this market's growing not in Pinellas County. It's growing in Hillsborough. It's growing mm-hmm. north in Pasco. It's yes. growing in Polk County
0: oh yeah oh it's growing in pasco yes
1: oh yeah no i mean and, and that's oh, that's where the growth in this market is too so as more yeah. people come to the area i mean yeah. pinellas is is tapped out it's, it can't really grow anymore there's really nowhere to grow
0: right into the ocean pretty much um yeah, yeah. And, and i love st petersburg and i love what that downtown has oh, done it's wonderful there's a there. vibe there's a vibe down there it's you know people live in the city which mm-hmm. which which makes the city vibrant all of that is tremendous, but you're absolutely right about everything else. And, um, yeah, I can tell you, I mean, you know, up here in Pasco, I'm I'm near the Pasco County line in Lutz, And, you know, the fact is you can hop on the Veterans and be at the airport in 18 minutes. You can be mm-hmm. downtown Tampa in 20, 23, 24 minutes. Um, and that's why people are living up here. It's a little cheaper in Pasco than, than Hillsboro. But that that gateway is open, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're talking about I I-275, to the east of here or, or where I'm at, um, you know, there, there's just so much urban sprawl up here that's not even funny, but that that's where the population is. And it is it is a commitment to get down to the truck. Now, I like to know that when I'm going, they're going to play because there's a roof over their heads. So that helps because you don't have to, you know, if you're going to make that trek and then have to sit through a hour and a half rain delay, you know, and the, and the weather was, has been a factor always is in the summertime. Um, man, we had a storm, like, I don't. I don't think this tropical storm really had much of an impact at all on our weather. Maybe some on the beaches during during the day today. Um, for the most part, because Fred kind of stood out in the Gulf a little bit. But we just had one of these. We had one of these thunderstorms. Man, I was at. I was at the Bucks, and they have a media trailer. Yes, folks, we're back to the media trailers <laughs> again. God help me. I spent the first I don't know, sixteen years in one, um, and. We got one of these storms where you, you thought it was going to be the Wizard of Oz where it picks up the trailer and you're spinning around and you land on a witch. Um, that's, it, it was raining so hard. I was just like, I was amazed that this tin can wasn't leaking. There was so much water. Come streaming down it. But, um, but man, yeah, they, so they practiced indoors. Let's. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago, We'll, we'll segue. That's a segue to the Buccaneers. We'll segue to the Buccaneers who had uh, their, their first workout since that preseason debacle uh, that they had against the Cincinnati Bengals. And, yes, it was a debacle. I got to thinking about how bad that game was. It was terrible, man. I mean, offensively, I think they had like 150-something yards the entire game. I mean, it was just horrible. Well, when you um, botch
1: a fake field goal, p- extra point, I mean, just you just know where yeah, the night's going.
0: Right, Exactly like that and that was the highlight like that was the big drive of the day um you know Blaine Gabbert getting it done but yeah it, it and so you know they're back inside and 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 there's been a lot of uh you know we've talked a lot about sort of who stood out and who didn't we can get into that in a minute the interesting thing that we learned on on Monday and and you know again it was a pretty much a full practice indoors was that you know Bruce Arians has said with the with the uh Tennessee Titans coming into practice on Wednesday and Thursday and they their sort of their um dual workouts before they play their preseason game on Saturday for preseason game 2 which is at Raymond James because they he anticipates some physical practices against the Titans during the week he is pretty much announced that he's not going to play his starters um in that preseason game on Saturday which is a home game um so if you have tickets sorry you're not going to see Tom Brady in all likelihood, or any of the offense or defensive players that normally start the game. Um, and, but on Monday, it, so I'm thinking to myself, because I've been the guy that's been railing against why would you play Brady, why would you play Brady, and Brady kind of decides when Brady wants to play, I get it. But now it turns out, because there's only three preseason games, I always wondered how are they going to treat the third one? Are they going to treat it like, like they used to treat the third one, where the starters would play a significant amount? Or would you say, well, this is, in fact, the last preseason game and if we get out of this one healthy, that means we're going all the way to September 9th with, with a completely healthy crew. Let's not risk it. Nope, no biscuit, no risk it, uh, or the reverse of that. They they are going to play their starters, and according to Bruce Arians, a significant amount of time in their third preseason game, which is at Houston. So, eh, e ah, not really... Not really sure how I feel about that. If I'm a Bucks fan, I'd be a little nervous again, especially if Alex Kappa is going to be, you know, a bit of a saloon door the way he was the other day, and, um, you know, getting your quarterback hit. You know, it wasn't uh, the sack was one thing on the final play, uh, six plays that the number one offense played, and Brady got sacked by by two Cincinnati Bengals. When I went back and looked at it, that wasn't the scary play. It was the throw that he made down the field. To Antonio Brown, who just didn't track the ball very well, is actually a pretty good throw. But Brady's got a guy right at his feet, and he kind of spins out of it. His, his, you know, his front leg is extended, and that's the one that he tore the ACL, and it's also where the MCL was repaired. And he, he's got people at his feet, and he kind of throws it and spins around to protect himself a little bit. And when I went back and watched that one, even though he didn't go down, I was like, like that's, that's even scarier because on both of them, Alex Kappa gave up pressure and uh, it wasn't good. And you don't want to give up the one thing you don't want to do and, and, and he is he has told his you know, his offensive line this don't get beat quick, you know, and don't get beat to the inside. Mm-hmm. Because if you know if you beat if you're an offensive lineman, you get beat to your inside, the path to the quarterback is way shorter. And if you're a guard and you get beat inside, well he's pretty much in his lap. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even if he's in the shotgun. And that's what happened twice to Alex Kappa.
1: Yeah, no. I, Alex Kappa did not have a good night. I'm going to play very much, but you know, we saw those giveaways or giveaways the uh, letting the defensive line get through, mm-hmm. and that's got to worry you. I mean, you know, one of the things the offensive line did so well, particularly late in the season, was protect Brady.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um,
1: you know, and we all know Brady can get rid of the ball quickly and likes to dump dump the ball, but in this offense, he throws the ball down the field a lot more than he did in New England yeah he does and so you've got to have that protection right and and that's where you know last year's particularly in the playoffs donovan smith was played extremely well and tristan wirfs was really good all year Mm -hmm. you know when your tackles can can block like that Mm -hmm. that just makes your offense that much better but if 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 you're giving it up up the middle ooh, yeah that's you know that's when brady's throwing and someone's hitting his knees
0: right exactly yeah you're hitting them low and and uh and and you don't want him to to step into and he's a long strider. If you ever watch Tom Brady throw a football, um mm-hmm. uh, his legs are pretty spread out. Like he steps into the throw. You know, he's like a baseball pitcher that way. Um, you know, he has a long stride and and uh he's got that plant leg down and you know, and of course that's how he tore the ACL. So he needs that room to stride, step up and stride into the into his throws. Because he uses his whole body. He's got perfect mechanics. You know, he works on throwing the ball. It's, it's incredible to me. I watched this guy practice. I did the other day. Um, he can still drive the football. He can still zip it. It throws a tight spiral. Um, that's why the bad weather doesn't affect him. He's extremely accurate. I, I, just, I marvel at the guy's arm at this stage. You know, 44 years old that he's even out there, number one. But then two... You just don't see a whole lot off the fastball, you know that. That's what's enabled him to play. It's one thing to know, you know, where to go with it, but it's another thing to get it there. And he can still get it there with something on it. So it's been impressive. You mentioned Bernard. Uh, I wrote a story on tempebay and in the Tempe Times. You guys can check out just kind of going back and look at it a little bit at the game, and and of course Bernard stood out. And this is what we knew, right? Because both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are not good receivers. Um, I know Fournette has caught 70 balls in a year, but those are most of the screen variety, dump-off variety. This is not the same thing you're getting with Bernard. With Bernard, um, on third down, any down, but third down in particular, you can split him out Mm -hmm. and isolate him against a safety or a linebacker and run an option route. Um, And the option routes are basically, you know, does a guy have inside leverage? Then I go outside. If he's got outside leverage, then I'm going to cut inside and that's that's a play that is read by the running back but he's such a good route runner uh and you know twice the other night once by, for Tom Brady and I think once for uh Blaine Gabbert um he came in on third down it was third and long and and he ran the option route the the deep stuff was covered they checked it down short of the sticks but because he won the he won the route by so much like he you know that's the thing A lot of times with these running backs, they'll get the ball, okay? But they they really didn't beat their guy that much. And so they catch the ball and they're tackled fairly immediately. Um, It's very rare that you throw a ball to a running back and he's already across the stick. So he needs to catch it in stride, beat his man in the route pretty good, and then have some yards after the catch. And that's what Bernard does so well. He beats his guy by a significant amount, has the separation when he catches the ball, and then turns it upfield and gets past the marker, and you saw that twice. So, I think you know that gets you three more plays, which might get you six more plays, which gets you in the end zone. He's going to be such a such a huge part of this offense. There's a couple other guys though that stood out. People might not have um, really noticed Antonio Hamilton, uh, who's a veteran corner. He's been with about three or four mm-hmm. teams. Uh, he had an exceptional game. He had seven tackles. He had the one tackle for loss. He also forced a fumble uh, in the red zone. I mean, this guy's played for the Raiders, the Giants, the Chiefs, so he knows how to make a roster, and he might you know, be one of those guys that makes one of the final uh, defensive back spots. Uh, he's certainly in the mix. Uh, Von Hagen um, is a safety. He's another guy that was all over the field. Um, he had a, a tackle for loss on a screen pass. He, he's the guy that tipped the ball to himself on the interception but then lost it um, in the fumble back to the Bengals, which was unfortunate, but uh, if you look at the safety position, you know, you've got, Winfield and Mike Edwards and Jordan Whitehead, if, if who's still hurt by the way, and that's a story that's developing because he has not practiced for a while. Uh and, and now Ross Crock Cockroel has made the move to safety. All those guys are on the team, but you know, I think Hagan has a chance, particularly if Whitehead's gonna be out for any length of time. Um so he made himself look pretty good. Kappa we mentioned on the other side, not good. He looked rusty. Now he you know, he's also a guy that didn't play football at the end of the year last year. Remember he broke his leg against the uh, Washington football team and you know was done for the year um maybe it's going to take him a little time to get back into the into the swing of things he had had a good year up to that point but uh Aaron Stinney stepped in and played really really well in the postseason. so you might have a competition there this year instead of just handing it over to uh to Kappa and and Ryan Griffin they're you know uh long time quarterback this guy's been in the league 8 years already and has only attempted four regular season passes, he he had a bad night. He did not look good. He had a couple of interceptions. He threw the ball sort of over the middle. Um, balls got tipped up, and uh, he's obviously the odd man out. I mean, they're going to keep Brady and Gabbert and Trask because you're not going to sneak Trask past waivers, and Trask played pretty well, um, but Griffin not so well. So he could be put himself in a situation where, yeah, okay, maybe they say to him, hey, we got extra spots on the practice squad. Do you want to be – that fourth quarterback, it's going to be a hit financially. We still make like two hundred fifty-one thousand um, dollars, you know, which would be better than trying to hook on with another team. Uh, but but he did not play so well. Uh, he's got to step it up a little bit. So we got. Uh, we also had a chance to talk to Damakon Sue. We got stories coming out on him. Um, another one on Keyshawn Vaughn, who uh, has to make it as a special teams guy. Primarily as a guy to cover kicks, uh, and also he's going to get a chance to return a little bit. But uh, he had one punt uh, coverage as as a gunner, and uh, they clocked him at like 21, 22 miles an hour, which for him or for anybody is really, really fast. He was uh, running well in coverage there, so that that certainly was a big plus for him. So, um, yeah, just, you know, they're they're going to practice this morning back at 8.30 a.m., back to their normal time. I don't know how long they'll be out there or how physical it would be. And then it's the Tennessee Titans uh, who come to town. And that's going to be a couple of days of, of of good physical work. And I think that's why Bruce is anticipating those guys are going to get beat up a little bit, and he doesn't want to then subject them to a preseason game afterwards. But you think about Derrick Henry. If you're on that defensive line, even though you, know, you, you, you probably won't be able to tackle him on the ground, and maybe you can't tackle him on the ground, but you know, one of the big power rushers in this league, and their offensive line does such a good job of getting him downhill. Of course, the Bucks have had the number one defense against the run the last two years. And we've got big bodies like Sue and Vita Vea, and, you know, those guys inside Will Golston that you feel pretty good about things. But we're going to see some thumping going on um, in practice for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just a, it's a chance to measure guys against each other. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Julio Jones, who's always – Destroyed the Bucks, you know, one on one against some of these corners and 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 just the the pat and go drills and and you're going to have pass rush drills on one side of the field and um, it's going to be you know a normal practice but against another team that has different looks for you because after a while you get used to the guy in front of you you know how to beat him or you know um, you know sort of what the the offensive tendencies are with Brady or whoever you're playing against and this will be a fresh look against a, a really good football team. And a good coach, and Mike Brady who who has, you know, as a former teammate of Brady's. I mean, this guy's been coaching now for a little bit, and uh, he knows Brady inside and out, and, and they have a great relationship. So there'll be a lot of dynamics and things going on there um, throughout the week that we'll bring you on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. All right, so tomorrow we're going to have uh, our popular mailbag segment. I've actually got some questions coming in all the time. You mm-hmm. guys can do that. You don't have to wait for a mailbag. But to send us those questions, go ahead and send it to us on Twitter if you'd like, at NFL Stroud or at SportsDayTB. Um, you can do that. Or you can hit me up on my email, uh, rstroud at com, and we'll be happy to address any questions you have answered 100% correctly, Bucks. Rays, bolts, you name it. We're not that far away. We're not to September. I guess I, I shouldn't start thinking about the bolt season just yet. What do you get? Do they start in September. Sometime, September twenty
1: eighth is the first preseason game. October twelfth okay. is the opener, I believe.
0: Yeah, so we're still so we're less a couple, than two months
1: away from the opener.
0: Yeah, but we're yeah we're a couple months from the opener. Probably a month or so from. Actually, uh, I think it's eight weeks camp. from today. Eight weeks from today, which will be a wow. short off season for those guys, right? Yes. Or so it yes. was. Seen. Yeah, it's
1: about a month shorter than most Stanley Cup yeah. champions get. The AP yeah. uh, top twenty five came out on Monday. Uh, let so me guess. Wait, don't tell me. Away.
0: Don't tell me. Number one, I'm gonna guess. This is a sure guess on my part. Um Alabama.
1: Hmm. I know that was a tough, tough decision, <laughs> but uh yes, you are correct. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Yeah right. A little hesitation. But who's number there. two? Hmm. Now that's a great question. Okay, let me think about this for ten seconds. Number two, hmm, would be also an SEC team, sorta. Of. <laughs> okay, a new SEC team. Uh, In a let's year, say,
1: yeah, Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, followed yeah, by Clemson,
1: Ohio State, Georgia, and Texas A and M.
0: Well, Clemson so, I mean, was the one I was thinking of going to, yeah. and I don't know, I don't know what they got. They're always good, but I didn't know if they were going to be ranked yeah. that high. Um,
1: Cincinnati Bearcats are eighth. They're the uh, nice first time a non-power five school's been in the top ten preseason since 2012. So.
0: So I'm guessing they have a lot of people back from last year's team.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, their quarterbacks back, most of their offense. They did lose some players on defense, but they still got a pretty stacked defense to compete the American Athletic Conference. They got a pretty uh, good non-conference schedule this year. They're at Notre Dame. Mm. They're at Indiana too. Yeah. That was, well, that that's an yeah.
0: upstart upstart program. Still, well, not... last
1: year they were they were pretty good last year if you remember. They were
0: they almost won the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. They're a division of it anyway. Yep.
1: Yeah. So they they play Indiana and then they're at Notre Dame in the season and then obviously the AAC. So.
0: Yeah, college football around the corner. Um, before oh, we com- get out, we'll talk college about this. College game day.
1: We were talking about this beforehand. So, yeah. Week 2, which is September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the attacks. That's right. Sounds like game day. They haven't officially announced it, but it sounds like it's going to be Air Force at Navy.
0: Oh, that's cool. At the at Naval Annapolis. Academy. Yes. Yeah. That's so- cool. And then also there's a talk about another Field of Dreams baseball game.
1: Yeah, the Cubs and Reds next August 11th. That's
0: cool. That's going to be an annual thing, much like the NHL does with their outdoor Mm -hmm. uh, classics and things like that. I I wish football could come up with an equivalent to that. We just haven't really found it just yet. We'll talk uh, more this week, I'm sure, too, um, about the NFL and about quarterbacks. Some of the quarterback debuts I thought were interesting and some of the things people are saying. about They're all Hall of
1: Famers. All these first round quarterbacks are Hall of Famers.
0: It's incredible, isn't it? Like, I watched Justin like I think Justin Fields is going to be really good. I think he's going to be a good mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he might be Ohio State's best quarterback ever. Okay, and what I like about him is that he played more than one year. This is not Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of quarterbacks can go in in certain systems and wide open receivers and throw fifty touchdowns, but Fields Fields looks good. Um, and he and he's a dual threat. He's he's a winner. All that stuff. But my goodness, um and and I know Bears fan, you know, have been aching for quarterbacks because they passed on, you know, maybe the best of all time in Patrick Mahomes, but um, you know, and they, they got rid of Mitch Trubisky who's in Buffalo. Well, they were and, supposed and, to know,
1: trade for Russell Wilson, they didn't get Yeah, the all run. of
0: that. It's the eternal really in Chicago it's always been the eternal search of a quarterback. I mean, even Jim McMahon wasn't too damn good, right? They won a Super Bowl because of the defense. So they they you know, you gotta go back to what, Sid Luckman or something before you can find a great Chicago quarterback. So this is their eternal search. But, um, you know, sitting there with Andy Dalton, I can see why they're excited about just. And, and he is an exciting player. But I think he went in. By the time he got in the game, I'm not sure either team had many starters left, you know, in the game. And and it's just – I would just caution everybody, you know, good or bad. Like, preseason is is such a fool's gold. It, you know what I mean? It's It's such a mirage because – No one's game planning for Justin Fields. Nobody. I assure you, when he gets into week one and people have tape on him, and they will, um, they're going to make him as as uncomfortable as possible. And he's going to have to read and react to so much more things than what he's seeing now, which is just he's out there making plays. That's what he's doing. Um, And he'll make plays. I'm not saying he won't. Hell, Jameis Winston made plays for five years. It didn't get them any closer to the postseason. Uh, I I think Fields will make plays, but you know, to, to put these guys on a pedestal like they're doing, um, you know, Trey Lance made one good throw and it was a hell of a throw. (laughs) It was one of those Mahomes, like back across the body, uh, touchdown passes, but the rest of the game, he really wasn't that good. And, you know, I just, I I think they're calling him one play Trey, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's like, just relax people, you know, these quarterbacks need a little time, um, to get, to get indoctrinated into the NFL. And this is what's such a hard thing to do. And then you think of about a guy like Brady, which is all the experience in the world and everything he knows and how difficult it is, even for him with a terrific cast around him. Um, These, these super bowls and these games in the NFL are hard to win. So uh, good luck to your rookie quarterbacks and your debuts, but you're a long way from the super bowl. So uh, we'll follow all those guys as we go along. So, Send your mailbag questions in. We'll be happy to answer those tomorrow. For Steve Versnick I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.